Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to this first visual episode of the Teacher's Workroom Podcast, a sacred time and space in which educators, especially educators of color, have meaningful conversation about matters affecting or day-to-day in the classroom, in the school, and affecting our education sector in general. My name is Jamal George, and joining me are a few of my very close friends and colleagues who I'm going to allow to introduce themselves to you now that you can finally see our faces. So I'm going to kick it to Miss Williams over there. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Leisha or Miss Williams, um, whichever you prefer. And it's nice to visually meet you all. <laughs> all right, Dr. Bethel, what you got for the people? Yes, me. Uh, so I am Dr. Bethel. Um, the name speaks for itself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all you got. That's it. Let's go. Oh, okay, fine. I am ready to jump into today's episode. Okay. Okay, got it, got it, got it. But I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, as we had our podcast going on for the last month, we took a two-week hiatus to give people an opportunity to listen to our episodes, get a feeling of who we are, what we do, what we talk about. Um, and the impact of our work on our students and by essential society. And a question that I get a lot is, well, how did you guys meet? Because you all seem to have such a great energy, such a great relationship with each other, and your podcast just sounds so seamless. So let's give the people a story time. How did we meet? Um, okay, so... It was 2015, yeah. I believe. I remember we had an argument about this. It was 2015. Uh-huh. Um, and we all, so us three started at a school that we worked together at um, that year. So we came in together. So we were already a part of like a larger cohort. And within that cohort, we, um, you know, founded this friendship. Um, I think I met Courtney first, right? Because we were composition or um, we were in the ELA, ELA department. Okay. ELA department, right? And then I don't know how I met Jamal. I, I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> you met Jamal through Moa because remember yeah. Jamal Princess and I had actually worked summer school. So right. Jamal, yeah, Jamal and I actually met at summer school and then all of us just like we, we walked in a new teacher training. It was ironic because they put us all in the same new teacher training room. Remember that? No. Yes, we did. We sat by each other. I don't remember. See, I got, see, listen. He I, got the receipts, honey. Let us sit down. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what happened. So okay, remember what, they, happened. <laughs> what had happened was, remember they used to give us the binder with all those scripts and you had to like practice and everything. So we had like, I guess about, it was two weeks. So we had had enough of like sitting by everybody or whatever. Right. So we just started naturally like gravitating towards each other. So I remember one day, uh, Leisha and I had uh, sat by each other. Cause and I didn't know Leisha. I wasn't, you know. No, you didn't know Leisha. And <laughs> he I wasn't a fan that. of the girl. I was not a fan of Leisha. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think Leisha had really jail with Kess first. Yes. Oh, yeah, so from grad school. Grad right. so, yeah. yeah, so Kess and Leisha had known each other, and Jamal and I. So when we were in that room, we were like, oh, okay. or whatever. But one day, I, I remember during a session, uh, both of us on our board, we were like, child, like, <laughs> so, and we were looking at each other like, oh, you feel the same way too? Because everybody was so performative, right. to make long story short. So that's how we just started like eating lunch together, like outside of whatever. Jamal and I would always talk to each other, and I know Leisha and Kess, and then we just grabbed. Yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, Dr. Bethel, I believe that our first interaction was in the <coughs> library downstairs. Yeah, with during during um, the summer academy thing. Yeah, like yeah. orientation, or if they were trying to, you know, and onboard then, us and that kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. And then we needed um, access to like some curriculum. And yes. Remember Shantae was Oh, yes, person. and you gave me the hookup. That's yeah. right, baby. That's yeah, right. That's right. Okay. And at Summer Academy, we were good. We were just like, oh, I like him. Oh, and, that's you a know. one right there. Yeah. That's a one. So you see, so I, to me, the thing that brought us together in particular was our realness, our authenticity, you know, as educators stepping into this grand institution that already had its its way of life, its culture, right? And I'll be honest, I, I do think that to some degree we disrupted that um, pattern or that culture to some uh, degree to allow for further growth and development. In a good way. In a good way, in a good way, you know, in a very good way. You know, I, I would never, um, you know, one thing that I really do love about the relationship that Dr. Bethel and I have in particular is that I think at that year we were the only two black yeah. male teachers in addition to uh, another black male sub substitute teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was a, a great bond right there. And then meeting Leisha and Cass. Shout out to Cass over there in the West Coast, baby. Okay. Um, and to Sulla. We, we can't leave out Sulla. Um, who is now on maternity leave. We're sending her a lot of love and positive vibrations. But we came together because of that blackness, but that realness too, that authenticity. And even though we're in separate places and separate schools and separate grades and all of that, that we still kept that bond, bond going. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump on head first into the episode, okay? And today's episode is focused on the influence that pop culture has had on our students, in particular, the Generation Y folks that are now coming up, right? As a matter of fact, just yes, this week, sorry, I realized that um, that year group whose senior activities I managed, they're graduating college this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh. like Charlene and Jayla and all of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. But we know that mm, it wasn't easy, you know, combating what's going on on the outside in society and the influence that pop culture ha was having and continues to have. And then what's going on and balancing that with what's going on in the inside of a school and knowing what we need to do for these young people. So Dr. Bethel, can you ground us in some um, 
some data, some work, some research or something around this topic? Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about like that specific class graduating this year because um, this past week I read that college um, enrollment has dropped significantly. Wow. Not just over the past, you know, four or five years for students of color, but like as of 2020, summer 2020, when students were actually, you know, enroll and start school, um, people of color dropped significantly by 20%. Wow. And, and, and then overall, HBCUs see another staggering um, enrollment, right? And then also enrollment in, in teacher preparation programs and and you know people wanting to become educators um, has also significantly dropped so we're looking at a time where you know pop culture and not no, and not a swipe at pop culture right but like pop culture has influence you know uh, generation y to the point where they're really asking do i need an educate a formal education do i need college do i need you know any type of uh, trade or skill uh, when i can become my own boss so you know i want to submit the question to us you know today and then also to fellow educators and then also parents of like where does that leave us right now in this term you know um that we're going through for generational why like what what message do we tell them what what do we t how do we guide them to become their best selves yeah. Yeah. moving forward you know i think you got the i think you got the youngest crop of us all so hey you got the floor in response yeah for um for fifth grade honestly um they are influenced by pop culture but i think having taught high school first i saw the magnitude of what that could look like and they are more porous or more susceptible to being influenced by um, influencers or celebrities, whatever you want to call them, or uh, pop culture. Then the fifth grade. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, I guess because they have a ways to get to their career path, so it doesn't seem as dire as it is when, you know what I mean, teaching older kids um, as far as a distraction. But do you see evidence of the influence showing up in the classroom though? Like by, through what they say, what they do, how they might respond to each other, to you. Yeah, for sure. And then we have like certain points of the day, like community meeting or at lunch where we're allowing them to listen to say like pop culture music or music that is, you know, um, popular or trending at the time in our culture. So they are influenced by it for sure. And then the kids love TikTok, I think all age groups now but my age group the little kids they love um that's another indicator of the influence of pop culture. No, I, I don't even know i'm scared to get on tiktok I, I wouldn't even know what to do if i got on tiktok yeah yeah you see a lot of adults too like you said yeah. who, are, who are on tiktok yeah that's something that um leisha just said she mentioned like there is a time in the day where kids are like listening to the music or like making their TikTok videos or whatever. So I'm wondering if you know like some you know we we use the colloquial you know yeah. uh, period and you know very much give like you know at, at fun times, but at the same time we know how to cold switch between right. right. 
So I'm afraid that we have a generation who will not be able to distinguish between code switching, will not be able to distinguish between when to come to chat. We see it on social media with your, 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 and there, there, and there. And like, (laughs) bless you, like they're texting. But at the same time, it's almost like, are we in a position to where our our future generation they don't even know how to cold switch they they don't know when to turn it on so, you know you can't have them in a business meeting talking about <laughs> you know can you imagine you, we're just cringe like oh my god <laughs> okay so i'm 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 just thinking, uh, like that's one of the influences, the language. You know, like when we grew up, we had certain songs and sayings that we would say, but we, but we knew not to put it in our essay, right? But we also <laughs> knew too, not to say it in at a, in a certain environment, right, right, right? or right. in conversation with a certain person, right. kind of thing. And I, and much to what you're saying, Doctor Bethel, that I think it's becoming the mainstream way of communicating. Yes. The mainstream way of dressing. Yes. The mainstream way of having fun. And you know, I'll be honest, you know, I was never a proponent of hip hop music for my students, rap music for my students, right? And I I do think that part of it selfishly is cultural for me. Like, you know, I didn't grow up in a place where hip hop, rap, and that kind of stuff was the the main thing on the radio, right? Um, So I did not, and then when I, whatever I was listening to, or whatever I did, whatever I did hear, I didn't think that it was a positive influence on young people. As a matter of fact, at one point in my life, I had a stance that um, entertainers, artists need to be more responsible, yeah. right? Um, I want to stop there. What do you think? What do you think about that? Like entertainers, artists needing to be more responsible. Because when I think about Nicki Minaj and I think about um, Ariana Grande and I think about Child Da Baby and Lil Baby and and the Asian Dolls and the Black Chinas, by the way, I gotta watch that video as soon as we get up of here. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, like, I get it, but I'm like, but what about the kids, though? See, I'm, I'm, I'm on a fence, right? So, this I'm, is like our conversation last week. Oh, yeah. sorry, I laughed though. Yeah, I don't think that it is Cardi B's responsibility to to put on a shirt and tie or dress up in a, a suit and tie and tell us, hey, you know, um, I think that you should go out and vote, even though they do, right. influence or whatever, but is it their responsibility right. as artists to to do that? No, and let me tell you why. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with whatever, you know, the walk and all that, whatever is going on, but or or like kids listening to it, right? But what I'm, but okay, prime example. Let me let me let's go to like the designers and, and everything, right? And we talk about hip hop culture, um, moving from like a genre to like mainstream everything. But even if you look at like um, high end fashion, right? You look at Louis Vuitton, you look at Gucci and the Christian Dior's and how they have changed over time. So you know about. 
let's say 15 years ago when it was like a thing you would like you know get your gucci outfit or louis vuitton or whatever dolce gabbana it was very like a um you would dress up it was like i'm going to a nice dinner you know we're gonna put it on and you could not really tell that it was uh, gucci and dolce because it wasn't branded everywhere Correct. right so it gave you like a class look but now it's so urbanized to where you go on the store gucci has a $350 t-shirt with just Gucci and it's like what is this <laughs> you know so hip-hop again not to take away so it's not the responsibility of hip-hop artists to you know to to raise our kids like you said if you will um and and I think uh JT mentioned that uh shout out to Jatavia so Jatavia from City Girls um which is interesting, mentioned that like, hey, when I was y'all age, like I was not doing X, Y, and Z, which is true. Because if you think about it, Jateva is very manable, very respectful, you know, carry herself in a poised, you know, way, you know? So not saying that, oh, you know, JT the artist versus Jatavia the person right. is come, and they separate the two, which I, I, I love. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying? So again, J, it's not JT's, Carisha's, you know, responsibility, if you will, to say, I am responsible for what fourth and fifth grade students are learning. We always talk about going back to who? The parents. Yeah, right. True. 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 Very, very, very true. Yeah, I I get, yes, that resonates with me a lot. Because you know, honey, I love holding another adult accountable for what students do. Still have a bit of a fixed mindset and I think that part of it is because I myself I'm an artist right I myself I'm a creative and and although I'm not a, a hip-hop artist honey I ain't got no WAP video out there trending or anything like <laughs> or anything like that I still feel that responsibility for the the younger generation that's coming up after me to put out work that is uplifting work that is meaningful work that will survive and be applicable throughout the times work that send a, a particular message to you as a young person about who you are and your abilities and what you can do and and all of that kind of stuff lives more in the, the, the positive realm, right? So I, maybe that's kind of where my fixed mindset about it comes in because it's like, okay, so I, I'm also an artist and I believe that I'm a responsible one too. So I kind of want you to be responsible as an artist also. I think responsibility, just like, I forget the word that we were going back and forth with. Oh, should teachers have to get a second job? To, right, 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 right. That's subjective as well. So like you can have an artist who thinks they're being responsible, but that's up to the caliber that they understand responsibility, you know? Um, and this reminds me of our conversation in our other episode as well, when we talk about censorship and you know, as teachers, I know I don't feel like what you do outside of work should have an impact on your professional life. So similarly, I don't know, it's hard for me to say that the artist is supposed to be responsible for not raising, I know that's not what you're saying, Jamal, for, um, but just have a responsibility to the 
next generation or following generation. Yeah. Uh, Not adult artists, I don't think. I think artists maybe I mean, their age, sure. Because yeah. that's their their audience or like their their demographic. So we are we saying then that um, okay? So he, how how do we treat with it when it shows up in our classroom, in an unproductive or potentially negative way? Do you embrace it? Do you shut it down? Do you like what do? Because at the end of the day, you know we do share the same culture as or students, right? So yeah, you know, we get down in our, our text groups and we, you know, use language that, you know, ain't that the prettiest, but when it shows in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, think it goes, I think it goes back, not to cut you off. No, you um, go ahead. I think it goes back to what we were saying around like um, colloquialism and like code switching and you know, um, with, with students, I tend to stay time and place, right? True. True. So again, like cursing, you know, a student might have a slip up and say a curse word. So I'm not stopping the entire lesson, stopping the entire school to say, hey, you know, XYZ <laughs> just said a curse word and it's like, no, it's like, hey, like be mindful where you are. Like I know when you're walking down the street, you might be in that envi context and environment matters. You might slip up and say these words or you might intend to, whatever. But while you're in here, in class, uh, be mindful of what you say and do. So I think it's again, like we have to be, like you said, our responsibility as educators to streamline what is, like you said, mainstream and then what is not, right? So I think that what you talk about, you know, is very ideal, you know, AG around, um, you know, it's my responsibility, you know, so we have the, we have the- That's how I sounded, really? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it can come across of like, you know, I am cognizant of what right, I'm saying right, right, right. about the material that I put out because my students could be watching or I have a responsibility as a performer, an artist and an educator to, you know, do, to do X, Y, Z. And I think that if you look at artists like Lauren, right, you look at artists like Jasmine Sullivan and, you know, Anthony Hamilton, where those artists have, or even, yeah, or even Miss Badu, right, who now have less followers or who now, you know, have not even taken a back seat, but in a different realm for a different audience. Right? So what it appears to be, you look at the baby, little baby and everything. I love the baby and the baby. Um. <laughs> I, I don't even know who is who, honey. Okay, let's start right there. So, you know, I listen to Lil Baby all the time because I think he, as a writer, you know, um, he's very talented, you know? He's, 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 he's very talented. But anyway, um, me and my personal life has nothing to do with Dr. Bethel teaching. You know, like I'm not in class, you know, rapping. For a joke, I might, you know, hype them up, say some stuff. Not in, in you know, of course, not anything inappropriate. But I think, again, time and place of like, yeah, I know about little baby because students want to know that you're a real human being. But at the same time, we're not just sitting 45 minutes talking about little baby. Or I might use that during like a transition or during lunch or something. So you, you get what I'm saying? So it's, it's time and place. But it goes uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I think if um, Go ahead, Yeah, to your question of like when it shows up in the classroom, how do we kind of 
address it or what does that indicate? Um, if somebody, if a kid um, sung an inappropriate phrase or song in your class, would you think it's the, the song that's problematic or the, the, the openness to being influenced by pop culture or like a deeper mindset? Because I think it would be a lot of like, that's like a mindset issue versus I'm more inclined to think it's a deeper thing if it's something that's ridiculous, right? Like if they say something misogynistic and I know they're just quoting a song or it could be, this is actually what you believe and how you feel. So now it's a deeper issue. I don't know if I would go straight to, ah, it's pop culture's fault. You know what I mean? Got it. Hmm, that, that, hmm. Yes, that was, that was deep, her. Um, one of the things that both of you are saying though, um, that I, that I want to stick a pin in both of them and kind of name them for audience, really, um, both of you hit on two things that I had to learn, right? Uh, especially as someone who has predominantly worked in school culture and behavior management. And the first is like the cultural awareness. Right, and understanding that, like culturally, we, some of these lyrics resonate with the experience that our students do have. I may not have the experience, right? And that's why for me, I was like, what's, you know, I can't listen to this. You know, this doesn't really, I, I've never done any of this. So I don't know this kind of life. But the truth of the matter is, and we find out, that for some of our students, they've lived some of this, they've experienced some of this. So, Miss Leisha, I, I get you in that. To hear it is one thing, right? And, but we do have to go deeper and understand more where it might be coming from, that cultural awareness piece, right? Um, and Dr. Bethel, when you spoke, the thing that was coming forward for me a lot was this idea that as a as an educator, as a teacher, that your responsibility is to teach. And it's not just to teach math, ELA, science, social studies, but it's to teach habits too. It's to teach mindsets too. Um, and so it's no longer this dynamic of, especially nowadays, it's no longer this dynamic of, well, you're just gonna walk into this classroom and you're gonna do as I say to do and be successful as a result. And you're gonna learn as a result. And by virtue of learning, then you're gonna be successful as a result. It's no longer like that, right? I think that when we started teaching, this whole rationale word became like a thing, like, oh, you gotta give rationale. And I'll be honest, in the beginning- That wasn't like, part of our culture. We were like, give who a reason for what? You do as I say. You come up in this classroom, baby. And if I say to pick up a pencil and write this down, you better pick up the pencil and write it down. Period. We learned, we learned that for most of our students then and now, not because you say to do it, they're going to do it. You really have to build in that rationale. And what I learned was that the rationale wasn't you explaining to them what you're doing or why they should do it, but it's, it's teaching them so yeah. that moving forward, they're doing it with meaning. Mm -hmm. They're doing it with purpose. They understand that, all right, when Mr. George says, pick up your pencil or your pen and start 
writing this down, what I'm doing is that I'm actually practicing a skill of listening attentively and pulling out the salient points and jotting those down so that I can remember them so that they can be applied to something in the future. Um, so that's, I think, one of the things in teaching nowadays that we have to accept, right? That we're not necessarily in charge or in control or that kind of stuff. We're facilitators more than we are yeah. like, I'm in charge right now. Mm -hmm. You just gotta do what I gotta say. Don't sing that up in here. You know, that's not appropriate. That's a curse word, period. No, it has to go further than that. Well, then help me understand why it is you think that's even appropriate to sing up. Right, right, right. You understand? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the both you bring up like uh, uh, some salient like great points, right? So firstly, I want to talk about like school as a tool, right? And like how people of color use school versus uh, white people. So you know, white people use school as a resource. Right. A way to do an X, Y, Z, you know. But people of color use school as the whole, like you talk as about a community, as a community, yeah. right? It's a village, you know. That's that's in our DNA. It takes a village to raise a child, right? So you know, white people are like, yeah, you are gonna go to school, you are gonna do X, Y, Z, but you're you're doing that in in suit uh, in pursuit of going to work at our law firm or own this business or whatever right. to become so successful. Right, they see a trajectory because they're saying this is right here. But our students, and it goes back to identity, right? Because our students need to see, that's why we need more teachers of color, right? Our teachers need to see people who are culturally aware. You mean our students, right? Yeah, yeah, stu uh, students. Our students need to see people who are culturally aware, right? So when we come in, you know, we come in with our dress, our fashion, whatever we come in with, students are able to see, oh, Miss Williams wears Chanel boots, but she is an educator. Okay. Get it? And that is true for the folks listening. She does wear Chanel a lot. Okay. Go ahead, Dr. Bethany. Oh. Right? Y'all trying so, to speak me out. <laughs> no, and it's the thing because let me tell you what, people try to this has happened. I, I mean, I don't know if you have you all have experience, but it has happened to me where well in the workspace they try to strip you of your identity yes, as yes. a gym color and oh you need to be this and you need to be this. Like, no, I need to be me, right? So that my students can see that as an educator, I am still a black man. Right. And as and, and with that, I come with listening to R&B. Yeah. I come with listening to gospel. I might want to wear Jordans on Friday if you see me outside. It doesn't mean that I'm less educated. So right. our students are able to say, hey, I can be me yeah. and I can be educated, right? I can I can quote the Shakespeare and I can quote the little baby. So when the kids are able to see that, they're like, hmm. Or you're able to say, hey, Lil Wayne referenced you know, um, a scene from Macbeth in this song. And they're like, what do you mean? You're like, yeah, look at this and look, and they draw the parallel. And they're like, hmm, I would have never seen it or thought about it. That's why I was, you have to be both. Yeah. Right? I definitely think. Go ahead, Alicia. Uh, I was gonna say, I definitely think being immersed in both, whatever culture you wanna be immersed in, but for our, a lot of our kids, it's like rap, hip hop, and whatever's trending. Um, 
at the moment. And I think I always view it as a skill because it gives me an additional way to tap in or to reach my kids, right? If I'm explaining something in a um, educational way, I always know I have this tool in the back of my head that another teacher can't use if you don't know about our culture or you're just not tapped in. But I can always go back to it and say, like you said, Courtney, the Macbeth with the Lil Wayne. Or I remember one time you referenced like one of the reality shows, but it made sense to the kids that you were, you know what I'm saying, that you were teaching and they were able to be like, I totally get it. So it's an, an additional skill to me. Um, the second thing I wanted to say was, I think that's why it's important um, for the age that I teach. So again, nine and 10 year olds. And then for the dynamic that my school has, right? There are people that are in power that are of the culture. So like, for instance, during lunch, when we have those opportunities, you know, well, I don't know if I should say this. My school's in a place in Canarsie, right? Where Pop Smoke is, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's very I big do. here. Courtney's Pop too. Smoke is that guy so, that's the way, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh so like, if you're from Canarsie, again, that's just a part of another layer of being uh, into the culture, right? I know I work in Canarsie and my kids are gonna love Pop Smoke. So at lunchtime, that's what we're playing because that's their downtime. And I think it's important for them to see Miss Williams. Oh, this is turns up, Miss Williams. Right. And then when we get into the classroom, oh, we know what time it is. It's ELA. All the shenanigans stops. It's time for learning. So it's good to, you know, even at such a young age, they're, if they don't explicitly aren't able to articulate what's happening, it'll be in their heads like, okay, we were just at lunch and we were free, relaxed, turned up. Now I know we're in class. This is, you know, what I'm like time and place. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a training of the <clears throat> mindset and of the habit and of the consciousness and of the understanding of mm -hmm. time and place and understanding of um, when and why and how and even if that kind of stuff. But, but what do we say to the student, because you know there's a, there are going to be the students that are going to be like hands down, like honey, I'm not I'm not taking school seriously right now because my aspiration is to become an artist, to be um, an Instagram model. My inspiration, oh, girl, you got the sneezes today, huh? Alhamdulillah. Uh, <laughs> um, my aspiration is to become an influencer right and i know and i know that i have to start investing all of my time and energy in that and because of that school work and school has to take a back burner and the truth of the matter is and you know i learned this over the quarantine that there is a lot of money to be made in the influencer life like i did not know like leisha you really put me on to understand that there are people on YouTube making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars literally putting by just putting on a camera and vlogging their life. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 it's I like you're famous. For, it's like you're rich for being famous and yes. rich for being rich. Yeah. Yeah. That's to me, that's like almost unfathomable again because the way that we and our generation right. has been socialized right that in order to mm -hmm. really be successful and to make it in this life you have to follow this traditional pathway you go to school you do good you are good to people you keep you know you stick to your books and so on and so forth 
you apply to college, you go to college for your four years, you go to get your master's, you might get your PhD, so on and so forth, and then you can say that you have been successful, but the truth of the matter is that we know that <laughs> we're not making bank like those people. And those our, kids. Students, kids. our students are realizing that they can become filthy rich at 21, at 22, at 23, before they get to 25. And they're really investing their time and energy into doing that right now. So what do we say to them? I'm more likely to be encouraging if I know that you have a passion, right? Like this is a passion that you have and then you're just executing your interest and your passions now that you're out of the traditional like K to 12 school. So if you're taking that time to do that, someone like a Chucky and Ammo and them, like they, you know what I mean? Like music has always been their thing. So it doesn't look to me like, oh, they're chasing a bag or clout chasing to just be influencer lifestyle, to be in it, right. But if there was a student who was just like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna try, and there was no true passion. I mean, we know that with no true passion, I mean, it's only gonna go. It's only a matter of time before your audience is able to see right through that, right? That it's, you're not passionate about what you're selling or what you're doing. Um, so I think those are the two different like lanes people can fall in if you're trying to chase that um, trajectory. And the advice would be contingent upon which, yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of like values, like what do you value as a person? And I'm like, at this point, like you said, if you can become a millionaire by 21, by all means, have at it, right? And I think that for me personally, like you said, what do you say to the students? It's like, you can do both, right? You can be educated and you can do your music, you can do your fashion. Like your like Megan Thee Stallion, right? Because she's, right. she's, I think she's still in school. Going to school. So, and you let them know, like, in order to, again, be sustainable, right? And sustainable meaning you want to run a business, but you really don't know, like, how businesses work. So, yeah, they're paying paying you $100,000 a month or every six months, whatever, to do X, Y, and Z. But, like, how are you managing that money? How are you investing it to make it sustainable to continue this lifestyle and do whatever? So, again, I say whatever, whatever floats your boat, do that. But at the same time, be very immersed in how the business works, right? So, you have a lot of artists now like the baby and in them who are going um, to be independent artists because they were with record labels who were taking the money but once they got they learned became educated on their own like this is how the industry works this is how the business works they were like hmm I can receive all that money and you know do promotions or whatever by myself because social media has really allowed for you to promote your own self as an artist be going on live telling them i have a show at xyz you don't have to pay anybody for that right so again but then it's like oh, okay i want to be i want to sustain my millions of dollars that i have made who do i invest in who do i trust where do i invest what do i do right so then that's when i'm like okay do that but at the same time do your your music but become educated about it so don't depend because without education truthfully of anything you're always at the beck and call of somebody saying yeah. do this do this just do like this, the do this. old just like the artists 
back in the day, right? Like the TLCs and the and those yeah. folks who yeah. were hoodwinked out of, you know, yeah, yeah. their 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 money yeah. um, in some ways that could have benefited them now, right? Yeah. Now that they're uh, much older. Um, my advice, or the way that I approach it, is the passion, right? Like if this is something that you are passionate about, by all means definitely pursue it right because i understand like when you're passionate about something that's the thing that's really driving everything that you do and the way that you think and how you're handling yourself and i also you know i'm big on mindsets and habits you know maybe the listeners are probably going to get so tired of me saying that but i'm big on mindsets skills attitudes and the habits and i think that in everything that you want to do in life you should learn about it yeah and you should have a very um what's the word you should have some basic competencies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so that you're able to one uh transfer those competencies to anything that you choose right to do in life but also you already have a foundation so the only way that you can go is up right in that thing that you really really want to do the thing that you're passionate about um and i agree with you dr bethel around like the values that i think for me the the thing that scares me the most about the influence that pop culture has on our students is that it i think it has a, a value set of its own and oftentimes our students don't really get an opportunity to hear the value set of the actual artist right like so for example i'll use asian doll as an example for me right there was one time i was listening to her speak about something and that's when i was like oh so okay so she has some depth there she I, okay i now i'm beginning to understand her whole setup and then i could listen then i attempted to listen to her music because i was like okay so now i understand her as a person so now i can better understand why she's saying what she's saying in her music and i may not agree with it and i may not agree with the way that she's choosing to express it and i may not agree with the actions that she's choosing to take as a result of how she's feeling about the thing but i can i can understand it some more and i think for me my fear is that our students are easily influenced by the value of the culture this chase the bag get money look a certain kind of way you know that 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 overrides the actual values that these artists who are putting out this music do have themselves yeah. and you know I, i guess i'm kind of processing everything now out loud um so yeah so that being said you know let's close out our episode um and dr bethel you had a really had a lot of really good nuggets throughout the episode so i'd love if it is that you can give our viewers and our listeners their homework for the coming week Yeah, I think the homework as educators, as parents, is really to 
ground ourselves, number one, and then like ground our kids in values and like what do you value as a person, right? Because like you just stated, JG, a lot of the times we don't see the the, the artist's values, right? So their value is, I want to feed my family, I want to take care of my kids, I want to do X, Y, Z. But you, they don't, you don't see that first. You see the success, right? Right. But then, like you said, as you get to know the person, you're like, oh, Asian doll is just like me. She wants to be an artist who does spoken word, but she do, she does it through rap music or you know X, Y, Z. So I think the homework again is just staying grounded like who are you as a person what do you value at the end of this life whatever but not to sound like ethereal or deep but it's like what do you want to be known for <laughs> what, what did you stand for right you know? yeah. Yeah. So, okay so uh ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we have come to the end of our first visual episode um, of the Teachers Workroom podcast, and we would love your support. You know, we plan on having more meaningful conversations like this that can be applied not just to teachers uh, and educators, but also to parents and to students and to just people. You know, we are all about developing the mind and the, the habits and the attitudes of people in general. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram at the Teachers Workroom podcast on Facebook at The Teacher's Workroom Podcast, and right here on YouTube at The Teacher's Workroom Podcast. Like, follow, subscribe, and share. The podcast is actually um, available on Anchor FM, on Apple Podcast, and on Spotify, and a few others. So thank you so much for those of you who have already begun supporting us, and welcome to those of you who are now committed to supporting us uh, as we move forward on this journey together. And we just want to say we love ya and stay wow. soon. Have a great week, guys. Love it, love it. <laughs> Share, subscribe, all of that. Okay, good. Mm-hmm.